Hello there, and welcome to Gilded in Blood, the Horror Lit Podcast. My name is Kevin. Do you remember last week when I said that it was getting warmer on the edge of hot here where I live? Well, yeah, today. It's freezing. Uh, It's so much fun living in a state where the weather just doesn't know what the hell it wants to do. So I'm here in my shed, uh, freezing my butt off, but that's okay because we get to talk about another good short story. It's a short shock episode, and today we are returning to the well of this Alfred Hitchcock Presents Stories for Late at Night book that, from my childhood, that I absolutely love. I told you we would be doing that, and we will continue to be doing that, and the next Next uh, installment from this book is Pauline C. Smith's The People Next Door. Now, this is a story that is the epitome of short and sweet. Uh, Counting it right now, I see one, two, three, four, five pages, literally five pages, and there's so much here to talk about. It seems like a very simplistic story. It's kind of all, it seems like it's all surface, but I swear to you, It is not. There is a lot going on here. So let's go ahead and get into it and uh, and dig into it. I think you're really going to enjoy this. This is something that probably not a lot of people have heard of, but it's a wonderful little short story. So we start off with a married couple. We have Ed and Evelyn. And it's never really distinctly said what Evelyn has just gone through. Basically just a nervous breakdown. This is something that she's coming back from. She spent some time in the hospital because of it, and she has been given uh, therapeutic knitting <laughs> to do. So you can really tell what age we're talking about. We're, we're right smack in the middle of the conservative fifties here. And Ed is kind of the stereotypical uh, clinical father knows best husband. Uh, he does really listen to the things that Evelyn is saying, uh, but he has all the answers. So he's, he's, he's basically an asshole. <laughs> and it, we begin with this conversation uh, between Ed and Evelyn, and Ed is asking Evelyn you know, how she's getting along with the new neighbors. We have some new neighbors coming in on the other side, and Evelyn uh, says, well, she, they, they seem to be nice. I don't really talk with them all that much. Uh, the only time I ever get to really interact with her is when she's hanging the wash out on the line. And she mentions that the, the woman seems a bit odd, that uh, she she's hanging all these freshly starched shirts out on the on the line. Fourteen white shirts isn't that quite a lot of white shirts? We find out that uh, the husband of this person next door is a salesman. So Ed's like, well, that's probably why he needs so many shirts. And Evelyn makes these little comments that upset Ed. <laughs> One of the comments is that, well, she, she seems mad at the shirts. She like puts the clothespins on them like she's stabbing the shirts. And Ed's like, ah. Evelyn, don't don't talk that way. You're you're just gonna wind yourself up. And and this story is punctuated with a lot of of that kind of talk from Ed. Of uh, you need to rest. You, you you need to not imagine things. You need to not uh, think about bad things because it's just gonna make you sick again. And it, it is quite frustrating to read Ed think that he knows every single thing that needs to be done here and really not listen to any of the things that that Evelyn is saying. But at one point here in the conversation at the opening of the story, you know, she's sitting there knitting this sweater and she looks at the sweater and she says it's kind of a drab gray and she thinks I'm going to work like a little uh, design into it, maybe in red. And then she asks Ed a very important question. She says, have you seen them? And Ed's like, no, I haven't, I haven't seen this couple. 
And Evelyn says, oh, okay, and then starts to describe the people, specifically the man. He's tall and thin, like a knife. He's a knife salesman. Uh, and none of this information was available uh, or, or offered by Evelyn before Evelyn made sure that Ed had not seen the people. So we, we have what is perhaps a burgeoning unreliable narrator here or unreliable character because all of the information is coming through somebody who has seen the people to a person who hasn't seen the people. So that's always interesting to, uh, when that happens in a story and it will become more so in this story throughout. So this first conversation kind of comes to an end. She puts away her knitting. She goes to bed. She takes a Nembutal, which one assumes is a, is a sleeping pill, and falls asleep. And that's where we kind of start our story. Now, throughout the rest of the story, we, we kind of see Evelyn interact with uh, these people uh, next door. I mean, she sees the man get into the into the car and drive off in the morning and sees the woman kind of going about her domestic duties and always with this kind of restrained sense of anger or upset, uh, you know, clattering the lid off the trash can and throwing the trash in very aggressively, uh, hanging out the the clothes on the clothesline, muttering to herself or even uh, kind of viciously talking. And uh, there's one interesting note that Evelyn says that at night she would hear sounds from next door and they would be muffled sounds. You couldn't quite tell what they were and says specifically, you would have to use your imagination to say that they were uh, sounds of anger, maybe even sounds of pain. But Ed has told me that I shouldn't imagine things, so I, I won't imagine things. So we, we have something going on next door, perhaps an abusive relationship. And then all of a sudden, the man is absent for two days. We go into another conversation between Ed and Evelyn, and Evelyn tells Ed that the man hasn't been seen in two days. And the the next day, she talks to the woman next door and says, oh, is your, your husband on a trip? And she's like, no, no, he's not on a trip at all. A very, <laughs> very awkward conversation. And Evelyn tries to get a little bit of information, and the lady is just simply not giving any information. So uh, maybe something has gone on next door. Maybe the man is uh, not with us anymore. And things get a little bit more interesting the following night when Ed and Evelyn talk, and Evelyn tells Ed that the woman next door has gone and bought two big dogs. And Ed's like, oh, well, if her husband's gone on, on some sort of convention, which is maybe the, the reason that he's been gone for so long, eh, maybe, uh, maybe he needs the, she needs those dogs for protection, you know, watchdogs. And Evelyn's like, I don't think so. They don't, it doesn't seem like she's treating them like watchdogs. In fact, what uh, seems to be happening is that the woman takes these dogs out every day for long, long walks, gets them very, very tired and very hungry, and then feeds them a big dinner at night, a large, large dinner. It's almost to the point where they can't eat anymore. And then they're kind of just laying on their sides and panting. And the next day she does it all over again. She takes these dogs out walking and then feeds them a huge dinner 
at night. And Ed's like, oh, well, you know, maybe just uh, just uh, fattening those dogs up. And of course, it's simply not listening and certainly not hearing the subtext of what might be happening here. And finally, at the end of the story, Evelyn tells Ed, well, the woman next door packed up all our bags and... Uh, she left. She took the dogs away and then she came back. She got suitcases, uh, put them in the car and, and drove off. And Ed's like, well, you know, maybe she's going on a trip too. And, and she, and Evelyn said, well, yes, maybe she is. Maybe she's going someplace completely different. <laughs> and Ed, of course says, well, you know, maybe, maybe she couldn't afford to keep the house. She, she certainly spent too much money on those dogs, exercising them all that much, and then having to feed them all that food. It must have cost her plenty. And Evelyn, at that moment, the last couple of sentences from the story, she says, uh, pulls the needles from the yarn and folded the sweater. The thing was a pattern. It's design all finished. And she says, no, I don't think it cost her hardly anything at all. <laughs> and that is the end of the story. As I said, very, very short, very, very sweet, very to the point, but it's is it to the point? That's the interesting question about this story. And usually I don't go too much into analysis on these stories, but this one has so much interesting subtext that I do want to kind of dig into it a little bit. Uh, first and foremost, as I said before, we have what may be an unreliable narrator. We have uh, Evelyn is the only person through whose eyes we see the story. And it must be said that Evelyn has just come back from uh, being in the hospital for a nervous breakdown. It is not unrealistic to maybe not trust the word of a woman who has recently been in the hospital for uh, some mental problems. Now, to be fair, this is the 50s, so that if a woman was angry about something, they were like, well, you've had a breakdown. We're going to just pop you in the hospital. So there, there is certainly that aspect, too. There's actually a, a very interesting, strong feminist underline to this story, but we should note that maybe she's not the most reliable of narrators. And that part about the design and the sweater has always been fascinating to me. Uh, it certainly hints at the fact, or maybe the idea, that none of this is absolutely is actually true. Uh, rather, that she is creating this story in her head to perhaps distract her from this uh, boring, uninteresting life with this husband who doesn't listen to her. And all she has to do is uh, do housework. Uh, again, that, that feminist underline is certainly there in that aspect too. So she can imagine some intrigue or some, some uh, uh, drama uh, you know, next door, drama that takes a decidedly dastardly turn. However, I always really enjoyed the interpretation, and this is one of the first ones I kind of uh, thought about to myself when I first read this story, and this is way back when I was, uh, when I was young. Uh, it always seemed to me that maybe this is not so much a story that she's telling herself to entertain herself and maybe take her out of this kind of bland, boring existence. Maybe this is planning. <laughs> maybe this is a test run of trying to figure it all out in her head and exactly how she can take care of Ed. <laughs> it always seemed to me that that might be one of the most salient uh, interpretations of this story, that she is maybe has an idea that she wants to run by herself and see how it plays out. Uh, 
possibly taking Ed uh, out of the picture. And uh, what better way to dispose the body than a couple of dogs who are exercised regularly and have big appetites in the evening. So it's, it's a really interesting story. As I said, you know, we're, this is going to be a very short episode. You already saw that. If you, if you looked at the timestamp, uh, it's a very short story. It's a very sweet story, but I love the fact that sometimes, you know, that adage is <laughs> proven true. Sometimes, uh, the best things come in small packages. You know, this is a five page short. It's not even that. It's really kind of more like a four and three quarters page short story, but there's so much there to unpack. I adore short stories that have all of this stuff inside them. It's, it's, it's like that, you know, that ever opening flower, there's more layers and more layers to it. And every single time you look over it, you might notice something a little bit different, something that uh, presents a different way of looking at it. It's kind of prismatic in that way. You can kind of look at it from different angles and see all sorts of different contexts and, and uh, layers to it. I would, <laughs> I guess this is my, uh, my soapbox moment. I would encourage you to look at really short stories. They call them short shorts, which is just dumb. <laughs> what they also call them is flash fiction, which is, uh, short stories that are generally, uh, sometimes even under a thousand words, I would encourage you to go and look at some of those really short stories. A lot of people don't want to spend their time on those, but they think they are, uh, you know, the, the literary equivalent of, of knock, knock jokes <laughs> that they're kind of stupid and very, very quick. And there's not a lot there. I would disagree. Uh, of course, there are going to be some short stories that uh, that don't live up to uh, what they try to do, and they they are they're just like set up punchline, and then you're and then you're out of there. But every so often, you will get short stories that seem very small and compact, but that have a ton inside them if you just take the time to kind of unpack them. Uh, I would recommend The Open Window by uh, Saki. Uh, also, there is a collection called Horrors with an exclamation point, 365 short uh, scary tales or something like that. Um, and it, it, it is 365 stories. Not one of them is longer than like two pages. And they're a lot of fun. Some of them, again, are are pretty pretty surface <laughs> and there's not a lot there. It's kind of a, a creep idea and then and then you move on. But there are multiple uh, stories like that that have a lot going on in a very small package and I would encourage you to seek those out and look at those because they're a lot of fun. I don't think we're going to do too many here on the podcast because uh, it's they're not really they're not really conducive to a full kind of feel like you get the you know the the content for your time uh, episode. But I, I wanted to highlight this one simply because there's uh, there's a lot to it and it's very very short. And I I would encourage you to go find more of those. I think they're great. Now. Next week, uh, we're going to start doing some things that are kind of a, a little bit different. I've got some ideas brewing in the old cranium right now, and I want to do some things that are, are a little bit more outside the box. We are actually going to do three books <laughs> next week, but they're, they're all kind of of a piece. Uh, I'm going to be looking at Alvin Schwartz's absolutely masterful 
collection of three children's books, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Now, (laughs) I would hope, I really, really hope that almost everybody listening to this just had a punch of nostalgia and a big smile broke out on your face because when I got this idea, I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Now, not so much talking about each individual story. There's like 60 or 70 of them. I will, of course, highlight, uh, you know, the best of the best, uh, Harold, <laughs> excuse me, I had to cough there, but rather I wanted to use that as a jumping off uh, point to talk about, you know, the controversy that surrounded these books and books like them um, and the idea of cautionary tales and how Horror is not necessarily something that is only adult. That is actually a good thing to introduce the topic of horror to children rather early on, as it was for me. That it's not harmful, as stupid politicians would have you believe. In fact, it is very helpful and is very uh, healthy in in creating a full worldview. But that's something that we're going to talk about uh, next week. And the following week, we're going to keep this kind of feminist (laughs) thing going Because if you listen to this episode and you thought, well, that reminds me of a really, really famous uh, short story that you probably should have done instead. Yes, (laughs) the following week, uh, two weeks from today, we are going to talk about the feminist horror story of all time, Charlotte Perkins Gilman's The Yellow Wallpaper. So look forward to that, too. Uh, Coming up, I think we've got some really kind of interesting things going, some participatory things going. So if any of you out there are burgeoning writers, you may want to listen. <laughs> probably not quite yet. It's probably going to be a, a couple of months before I can get to uh, those things. But kind of keep on the radar, keep, keep listening. And of course, thank you very much for doing so. Thank you to Slaughterhouse for the use of his music. That is Slaughterhouse with an five instead of an S. You can find him on Bandcamp. You can find me on uh, thestorygraph.com, username Libris Leonis, L-I-B-R-I-S underscore L-E-O-N-I-S. You can find this episode as well as all my past episodes, as well as all my future episodes on gildedinblood.com. You can also uh, read some of my fiction and read some articles I'm going to be writing. But until next week, stay safe and stay spooked.